1993, I was still new in ministry, fairly new, and I was still kind of feeling my way around, trying to figure out how to how to do the job and how what, how to do everything I needed to get done. And it was a small church that we were at at that time, and there wasn't a lot of help. So every every day, I had to go down to the post office and get the mail, and I had to sort through the church's mail. Back then, we got a lot of junk back then. I mean, most of that, I think, has been replaced with email today. But a lot of just garbage would come in to the church's mail. Uh, every now and then, we'd get something a little different, though. And I remember one morning, I went to get the mail, and there was a personally addressed letter in the mail. Had a stamp, had a handwritten address on it. Did not have a return address, which I thought was kind of odd. They didn't want me to know who had sent this. And I opened it up, and the letter I found inside, well, the letter had been Xeroxed, and I think the Xerox had been Xeroxed, and I think the Xerox of the Xerox had been Xeroxed a couple of times, too. It, had, it was smeared, it was folded up, it had, had a coffee stain on it, it just looked awful. And I, I opened it up, and I started reading the letter, and it began like this. Madeline Murray O'Hare, an atheist whose efforts successfully eliminated the use of Bible reading and prayer from public schools 15 years ago, has now been granted a federal hearing in Washington, D.C. on the same subject by the Federal Communication Commission. It went on to say that she was leading an effort to try to get all Christian broadcasting banned from the radio. She wanted all Christmas music to get off the radio also. And at the bottom of the letter, there was a petition that you were supposed to send this letter to anyone that could help the cause, and then they were to tear off, you were to tear off this bottom part and mail that to the FCC. Well, I looked at the letter and, I mean, it looked ancient. I thought, how long has this been around? And so I started doing a little research. I actually called the FCC about this. And the FCC, they, they, I found out that this letter was over 15 years old. 15 years old, and, and it was still circulating. I found out that the FCC had received something like 25 million copies of this petition at the bottom. And I also learned that the FCC had a special phone number just to handle these petitions and people calling in about it. And then I learned that Madeline Murray O'Hare, a very well-known atheist, leader of the American Atheist Party, she, uh, she had never petitioned the FCC for any kind of hearing. She had no petition before the FCC at all, never had. And if, even if she had, it would not have been granted because the FCC has no control over religious broadcasting at all. So I took all of my research and I typed up a quick little article about it, and I mailed it off to Cincinnati, Ohio. I sent it to the Christian Standard. Some of you remember the Christian Standard. It is kind of the newspaper for the, or, or the magazine for the Christian church. They published it. First time I'd ever seen my name in print, I got published. They published my little article about how this is not something to get worked up about, how we need to stop sending this around. It's making us all look very, very foolish. They published it, and I thought to myself, there, I fixed it. I fixed it. This is not going to be a problem anymore. And a couple months later, I got another letter in the mail. 
And a few months after that, I got another one and another one and another one. And then one day the internet came along and all of a sudden misinformation and things like this became so much easier to spread. The last time, the last time I saw this letter or actually its grandchild, its great grandchild, a, a, a newer version of this, the last time I saw it was in an email that I received just before Christmas last year. Madeline Murray O'Hare has been dead for more than a quarter of a century, but this rumor will not die. And in this information age, we see the overwhelming spread of misinformation. Sometimes we call it rumors. Sometimes we call it falsehood. Sometimes we call it urban legend. I like urban legend. Sometimes we call it fake news. And we realize that if we are not careful, we can become the very ones that perpetuate the spread of this fake news. So how do we guard ourselves? How do we guard ourselves over the things that we read that get us upset, the things that get us angry, the things that we want to share with others that may not quite be true? And how do we ensure that we are people of the truth, not people of the half-truth, not people of the mistruth, and certainly not people of the lie? I think it starts with us recognizing a truth about ourselves, a truth that's expressed in Proverbs. And that truth is, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge. It's not good to have zeal without knowledge. At least that's how I first read it. That's how I first became acquainted with the proverb we're going to look at today. It's in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. If you're following along in those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 541, Proverbs 19, 2. You know, the word of God is, is eternal, and yet human language is always changing, changing, and, and translations need to be adjusted at time. But I like the way that I read this proverb when I read it for the very first time in the old NIV that was published in 1984. You can't even get one of those anymore. The old NIV from 1984, that was my generation's Bible. You know, we, we hold that one to be very, very sacred. But in that NIV from 1984, it said, it is not good to have zeal without knowledge. And I like that because the word zeal, yeah, the, the word zeal, it sounds like excitement. You, you hear that word and you hear the excitement. You hear Jesus in John chapter 2 turning over the money changers tables and you hear what John said. This was done to fulfill what had been written in the prophets. Zeal for my father's house will consume me. Zeal leads us to a holy cause, to be zealous, to be ready to take on the world. But zeal without knowledge, zeal without understanding, zeal without doing the research, zeal without thinking things through. The point of Proverbs 19 verse 2 is for us to be discerning, for us to make sure that our zeal is founded in truth. There is a lot of stuff out there that looks true. There's a lot of stuff out there that sounds true, but you and I have to commit ourselves to running them through a series of filters. We have to stop and ask some questions. Questions like, says who, right? And why would they say this? 
To what benefit are they saying this? I think a good question is, follow the money. Where is this being said, and what kind of profit might it lean to, lead to? Truth ought to be important to us. Truth ought to be important to us that in our zeal, we slow down, we do the research, we examine things and ask ourselves the question, is this true? Madeline Murray O'Hare was being interviewed on a radio program one time about this petition that had her name on it that had been going around for decades. And she said that she had actually been on another radio program one time where a caller called in and said, it may not be true, but it sure sounds like something you would do. It may not be true, but it, it sure sounds like something you would do. And they thought that that was, that was a legitimate way to protest against her and against her cause of atheism. It sounds like something you would do, and so we treat it as truth. There's a term for that, by the way. The term is confirmation bias. It confirms a bias that we already have. It confirms something that we already believe, and so we believe that it's true. And the reason confirmation bias works is because our brains, okay, all of us, all of our brains, our brains are lazy. Our brains don't want to have to do a lot of work. They want to get by with as little work as possible. And so our, our brains play this trick on us. If something confirms what we already believe, then we accept that as truth without doing any further research. In Acts chapter 17, Paul and Silas are traveling around, going on their missionary tour, and they're taking the word of Jesus out to all these little towns, all these cities. They go to the town of Berea. And it's there in Berea that Paul and Silas go to the synagogue of the Jews and they began preaching to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. And in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says the Bereans were more noble because they examined the scriptures to see if these things were true. They didn't just take Paul and Silas at their word. They went back the word. They went back to the Bible. They went back to the scriptures to see if these things were true. In the church today, in this information age, we are desperately in need of believers who have that Berean spirit. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. The translation that I preach from most often is the ESV, the English Standard Version. It's a newer translation. I, I really enjoy the way it says things, but in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2, the English Standard puts it this way, desire without knowledge is not good. By the way, the new, the new, international, the new, new international Version says the same thing, desire. Instead of zeal, it says desire without knowledge is not good. I don't like that as much. I don't think it's as clear. But the truth is, if you go back to the Hebrew... It's not the word for zeal, and it's not the word for desire. The word that's there is the word for soul. It is not good to have a soul without knowledge. And you got to understand that to the Hebrews, the soul was not just the part of you that lived on after death. That's how we tend to use the word soul. Your soul goes on to heaven, right? The soul in Hebrew, to the Hebrews, the soul is that part of you that is really you. 
That part of you that is the most you that you can get, your soul is, is exactly who you are. It is, what, it is the essence of who you are. It is what you are all about. I want you to hear that in a way more than zeal and more than desire. This proverb is about getting so worked up over something, getting so worked up with so little information that you actually lose yourself in the issue. You lose who you are you lose who you are called to be. That's how we get ourselves in trouble. That's how we get ourselves in trouble. We get into trouble when we lead with our hearts instead of our heads. When we move forward just on our hearts instead of with our heads. And, and that's what the second half of this proverb is all about. And it's, it's something that we've experienced also. Again, Proverbs 19, verse 2. Desire without knowledge is not good and... Whoever makes haste with his feet misses the way. <laughs> You've done that. I've done that. It's not just with your feet. A couple weeks ago, I was on my way to Champaign to get some donuts for you nice people. Buy you all some donuts. And I'm following my GPS. And as I'm following along, I see there's a turn coming up. But then I got to looking ahead. I wanted to see what was on up ahead in the road ahead of me. And I missed my turn. You almost didn't get donuts. So I had to go into a residential neighborhood. I had to take a left. I had to go through these winding roads. I had to go slow. I had to wait for the joggers. I had to look at the people on the side of the road. And then I had to finally make my way back to the donut shop so I could bring donuts back. But I lost my way because I got ahead of myself. Now, it's one thing when it's driving. It's another thing when it's what drives us. When it's what's driving us, putting our hearts before our heads, we find ourselves making some very wrong turns in life. And adding to that mess, there are times when we react not necessarily to a lie, but to an incomplete truth, something that isn't quite completely true. Let me give you a personal example that this is just one that comes back to me a lot. You guys may realize, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but there is this, there's this drink there's this drink that I enjoy. It's called coffee. Has anyone else ever tried coffee? I like coffee. Hannah, you like coffee? All right, cool. I like coffee a lot. And I like to go to co go for coffee at a place called Starbucks. Has anyone ever heard of a place called Starbucks? All right, I like to go to Starbucks. And some of you people know this because anytime I've got a birthday or if there's a pastor appreciation month coming up, October, um, if there's something like that happening, some of you will get me Starbucks cards. And I love that because when you give me a Starbucks card, you don't just give me permission to have coffee. You give me permission to sit down and relax. And you give me permission to have some very wonderful conversations. I have friendships that have developed at Starbucks with people that I never would have met here. And, and valuable conversations happen. And occasionally I will post on Facebook, going to Starbucks today. And once in a while, one of my very well-meaning friends will return a comment with an article that says something like, Starbucks hates veterans, or Starbucks hates police officers. And so I do a little research. I go through and look at what the truth of that is. And there is like, there's one story of one instance at one Starbucks where one employee had a grudge against veterans and refused to serve a veteran. There is one story from one Starbucks for one employee had a grudge against police and refused to serve the police. But now we've characterized all Starbucks to be like that. So I talked to my friend 
Mitch, who manages the Starbucks. I do a little research and I talk to people like Mitch, who manages the Starbucks. Mitch, who is watching the video right now. Everybody say hi, Mitch. Hi, Mitch. There you go, Mitch. <laughs> Mitch is a big part of our online community. He's, he's a big supporter of what we do here at Kansas. I talk to people like Mitch and I hear that Starbucks as a corporation, okay, and it's a corporation, they're out to make money. Don't, don't forget that. Starbucks as a corporation is committed to hiring 25,000 veterans by the end of 2025, except they've already done that. So now the commitment is to hire 5,000 more veterans every year until 2025. I walk into Starbucks and I see employees with, with their aprons on and they've got a little, little thing, a little tag there that says that they're veterans. Uh, Starbucks gives away free coffee on Veterans Day. They give away free coffee to preachers any day they come in during Pastor Appreciation Month. Mitch, are you listening? <laughs> they don't actually do that, but it'd be really cool if you did, Mitch. Anyway, they support police officers. They, 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 give, they, they take care of their community in many ways because, because it's a profitable thing for them to do. But we hear stories like that. We hear negative stories like that, and it pushes buttons in us, and so we push buttons on our phone, and we share those stories. We're eager to share that. Are we just as eager to share when we find out we're wrong, when we find out that we've shared some misinformation? You know, the fact is, a lot of these stories that get us worked up, they don't originate on news sites. They originate on websites that have the goal not of telling the truth, but of selling advertising. And if they can get you to click a like, and if they can get you to share that article, then more people will see their advertising and they will make more money. But to get you to push those buttons, they have to first push your buttons. They have to find a way to push your buttons. And the, the way they do that is they get you angry, they get you worked up, they get you worked up at some injustice. Outrage, outrage is all the rage. You know, it's, it's far easier to get people upset than it is to get them to show compassion. Did you know that? It's a, it's a fact. It is easier to get people upset about something and to get people angry than it is to inspire, inspire compassion or to inspire action. And if they get us to, to click those buttons, to share those articles, to tell other people, then we'll end up feeling like we've done something about it when in fact we've done nothing. I think it's important for us to ask some of those questions. When we read something, I think we need to ask, what am I feeling after I read this? Was this written to inform me or was this written to get a reaction out of me? Zeal is important. Jesus was zealous. Paul, in Titus chapter 2, verse 14, Paul wants us to be zealous for good works. But zeal without knowledge is misguided. Zeal without knowledge, we get ahead of ourselves. Zeal without knowledge, we go the wrong direction. Sometimes I read the New Living Bible. I like the New Living Bible. It's very easy to understand. The New Living Bible translates this proverb this way. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. I like that. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. And then haste makes mistakes. There's so many different ways to look at these words, these, this verse. 
I want to give you a, a, an easy and hopefully memorable way of understanding that what this verse is saying. It comes down to this. Don't ruin your reputation with a rash response. Right? Don't ruin your reputation with a rash response. Back in, two, back in 1993, when I wrote this article, I was at a different church back then, by the way, and a few months after I had written the article about this letter, a few months after it had been published, one of our members came running up to me before church one Sunday, and he said, have you seen this? I said, yeah, I've seen it. We need to do something about this. I want to go back and use the copier, and I want to make copies for everybody in our church, so I want everybody to send these off. And I said, it's a non-issue. It's not real. And, and, and he just got madder. He got madder. He got hotter and hotter about it. And he says, we need to do something about this. I, I tried to explain. It wasn't real. He got louder and louder. And I finally, I finally said to him, Ed, this is not happening. It doesn't, it's not going to happen. And he stopped and he said, you mean we won? And I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we won. Because those were the only terms he could think in. The only terms he could think in were win and lose, threat and response. He had blinders on that told him because somebody had sent this to him, because somebody that cared about him had sent this to him, it must be true. It's in black and white. It must be true. And because he was outraged, I needed to be outraged. And he was outraged that I wasn't outraged. That rage... That rage became his reputation. That rage was what he was known for. Uh, he, was, he was a hothead. He, he would fly off the handle at anything. Following Jesus demands something better of us than that. Following Jesus demands something better than rage. Don't ruin your reputation with a rash response. And I know that in the last couple of years... We have gotten sick and tired of hearing about fact checkers. We have gotten sick and tired of hearing about fact checkers. We never used to have fact checkers, no. But we had parents who told us, don't believe everything you read, didn't we? We had parents that wanted us to be discerning, that wanted us to be cautious about what we read, what we accept as true, and run it all through Filters. Do these facts sound like they're here to inform me or are they to get me emotional or even worse, are they written to get me to send somebody some money? Where did I read it? Did I read it at a, in a trusted source? Do I know who the author of this article is? And then look at the date of what you're reading because things change so rapidly these days. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions of experts. Read other articles from other opinions, from other sources. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You and I stand on that truth. There's a little book in the back of your Bible called 3 John, a little letter, smaller than this one, a little letter called 3 John, only one chapter long, and in verse 4, John writes, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Truth needs to be a priority for you and me. Not half-truth, not alternative facts, but truth. We dare not mix, we dare not mix falsehood into the truth that we stand on, the truth of Jesus.
Don't ruin your reputation with a rash response. I think you can remember that. Don't ruin your reputation with a rash response. It's more than that, though. People tend to lump all of us Christians in together. They tend to lump all churches and all Christians together and figure that we're all the same. And we tend to be characterized by the loudest among us. The ones who are the loudest, the ones that are making the most noise, and people think that's what all Christians are like. Don't ruin the church's reputation with a rash response. Don't ruin Jesus' reputation with a rash response. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge. But you have every reason to have true zeal. You have every reason to be zealous for good works. People who spread lies, the, the lies that we get sucked into, they don't know what you've got. They don't know what you've got. They want you to worry. But this book promises you that no weapon formed against you will prosper. But they want you to be worried. They want you to get angry, but you follow the Prince of Peace. And you have a peace that passes all understanding, which guards your hearts and your minds. They want to suck you into their lies, but the truth has set you free. The truth of who Jesus is. The song we're going to sing in a minute says, In Christ Alone. It talks about how in Christ alone our hope is found. Our hope is not found in getting worked up about those posts that we find. and Our hope is not found in, in, in those sources or in the news. Our, our hope is found in Christ. And above all else, I pray that if we're going to be loud about anything, let's be loud about the hope that we have in Jesus. Let's be characterized by the truth, the hope, and the love that we've found in Him. I'm going to pray, and in just a moment we're going to sing the song, and then we'll take communion together. Let's, let's pray. Father, you've not left us, you've not left us ignorant. You've not left us without a source of wisdom. Lord, you have, you have given us your word and you have shown us the truth. I thank you, Father, that we can stand on that truth. Lord, there are times when something comes along that sounds good, something comes along that sounds like we should, we should, be, uh, we should be worked up about it. Would you just, in those times, bring us back to the truth of who Jesus is and the truth of who we are and what we have because of him. Today we remember that truth through this bread that represents his body broken, the truth of his blood shed, the truth of the covenant that binds us together and makes us one. I pray, Lord, above all else that we would stand together on that truth and the truth of who Jesus is. It's in his name we pray. Amen.